I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. You're listening to Muses and Stuff. This is the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted, and they made no apologies. We are your hosts, Shanti and Lynx. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Muses and Stuff, the podcast that's all about the babes. I'm here with Lynx, and we are back together again after a month of traveling and uh, all that good stuff. So we had pre-recorded some episodes, and now we are back together. Yes, and I'm sick, so I'm sorry that I sound like this, but hopefully by next time... I'll not sound like a monster. <laughs> I think that you sound cute. Um, I might get sick, but that's the risk that I'm willing to take because I love this podcast and our listeners so much. And we took a break last week because we were both so exhausted from all of the traveling. Um, I pretty much, well, Lynx forced herself out of bed and I forced herself out of bed to come and record an episode. So thank you for being here, Lynx. Of course. I'm excited about this one. I didn't want to miss it. <laughs> okay, so this episode that we have for you today is somebody that I've been wanting to do for a while, but I've been just waiting for, I guess, the right time. But, you know, there's no time like the present. Um, so, Lynx, can you tell everybody who we're presenting today? 
yes, we're doing Lori Lightning or Lori Maddox. So we're doing, yeah, Lori Lightning, Lori Maddox. Um, she is actually, you guys are friends on Facebook, which I think is really cool. And so it's an interesting thing doing an episode about somebody who you know that when we post it, they're going to they're gonna know that we did it. So um, I really hope that we do her and we ho- I hope that we do you justice, Lori. Yeah, she's um, she's awesome. She's definitely got a presence online and she's lovely and I think she does support this. So um, I hope she listens and enjoys it. We love you. So, yeah. Okay, so you guys might know Lori Lightning um, from maybe if you've read Let's Spend the Night Together by Pamela DeBar or maybe you've seen the VH1 special. Um, that's a big part of how I got like the information about Lori. That's think how I first uh found out about her so but we we haven't talked about it before and we've kind of only skimmed the surface of her because the subject matter is a little bit sensitive because Lori was just 13 when she came onto the scene and she stayed there for a few years um which like during what we might call the height of the rock and roll heydays yeah and Let's just make it clear right now. We're celebrating women here. We're celebrating Lori. That doesn't mean that we celebrate what the musicians were doing at that time, but we're celebrating the women. Yeah, that, I think. thank you for pointing that out. If you also read Pamela's book and chapter about Lori, and if you look at that VH1 special that we're telling you about, Lori will tell you in her own words, too, about the experience and how they were for the most part, um, especially the really early stuff, um, they were good. She She's happy about them. Yeah, and she never once felt exploited. So that's another reason why we're celebrating these women. So having said that, Lori Lightning might be best known as the Nymphette Groupie, most famous for being in a relationship with Jimmy Page and for losing her virginity to David Bowie. Yeah, she's got the best... Uh, losing your virginity story out of anyone pretty much ever so you gotta tell me all about that yes listeners i'm gonna tell you all about it so Lori's good friends with pamela now but that wasn't always the case the first that i heard about Lori was when pamela debar was dating jimmy page and it was around 1973 and jimmy had told her to meet her or to meet him that night um what ended up happening was when Pamela went outside to be collected in the limousine by Jimmy Page what he ended up doing was grabbing Lori Lightning tossing her into the limo and leaving her there on the sidewalk so I'm going to read an excerpt from that in just a moment Um, but that's how I came to find out about Lori Lightning was poor Pamela because of of course we know we're, we're team Pamela but we're Team Lori, too, and now these women are Team each other. Yeah, I mean, this was a long time ago, and, I mean, every woman wanted Jimmy, so, I mean, and Jimmy wanted every woman. (laughs) That's right. So before Lori found herself smack dab in the middle of the Sunset Strip and in the backseat of Jimmy Page's um, limo, she said that... 
Um, she just kind of got there by accident. So her mom was uh, a single mother and she had three other sisters or was like two or three other sisters and they were all kind of getting into trouble. And so her mom wasn't really keeping that much tabs on Lori because she was like, oh, she's just dating rock stars. It's not like she's getting into any sort of major trouble. So um, she was friends with Sable Star and she was friends with um, like all of the other girls who were uh, in Star magazines. Yeah, Queenie. And can you think of who else? Um, I know uh, Morgana Welch was uh, in the Zeppelin crew then i'm not sure if she was friends with them or not but we gotta do an episode on her sometime as well yeah definitely um she was welcomed into the rock club by the mayor of the sunset strip ronnie bingenheimer and the rest is um history a lot of the stuff we're going to tell you about Lori is from her accounts, straight from her mouth and, you know, on her terms and consent. So <clears throat> we're not really going to get into too much about, like, whether or not rock and roll in the 1970s had a statutory rape problem or not. But it's a really fun story, and I'm excited to go on about it. So she was a teen model. And it was back then that she was, when she was doing uh, her teen modeling, that she went by Lori Lightning. Um, she first heard of Led Zeppelin in 1973 um, and she heard Stairway to Heaven and then she was an immediate fan but she says that she never really had any kind of aspirations to meet them it's kind of interesting the connection between Lori Lightning Jimmy Page Pamela DeBar and then Michael DeBar and it's because at the time right before Lori met Jimmy Page Sable was having some kind of relationship or just having sex with Michael DeBar. It was Michael DeBar who had taken pictures of Lori and Sable and then taken those pictures and showed them to Jimmy Page and was like, you got to see this girl. And so it wasn't until later that Pamela found out that um, it was her husband or like her ex-husband now that had set her, that had set her up for what she called such an ignominious fall. Oh, okay, here we go. So I did write it down. So, sorry listeners, we're, I'm a little bit rusty after having a month off of recording, but here we go. And it's really hot out. It is. I'm sweating. It's very hot. It's very hot. Okay, yeah, so she went, the, re, the way that um, Lori met Sable Stars because she went to school with a girl named Lynn. And there was Coral and Queenie, and they were called the baby groupies. So at this time, when they came on the scene at like 13, 14, Miss P was 23 years old at this point. So they made her feel, like she says that they made her feel kind of bad about it and washed up and whatever. Um, did Have you ever seen like copies of Star Magazine? Not physical ones, but they're all online on that amazing website. So if you want to check out Star Magazine... Uh, just write Star Magazine in Google. And I think we've posted it on the Instagram and the Twitter. So uh, it's all there. And some amazing person has uh, uh, scanned all of them. So you can read them all up there. Oh, yeah, you made a post about that. That's awesome. Okay. So Lori says um, that all of those girls dressed her up, dolled her up. She says, I didn't know anything at this point. I was 13, still a virgin. I knew nothing. The whole glitter rock scene was decadence. And that's when we really captured our style and got bold. Platforms got bigger, skirts got shorter, hair got 
Wilder. So I'm going to um, just open up the book to a page here to read to you. And can you explain to listeners who might not necessarily know what Lori Lightning looks like? Can you describe her? Yes. I've always thought that Lori is sort of like the female version of Slash. She's got that incredible uh, voluminous black hair and she's you can see why all the boys really liked her especially because she definitely stands out next to Sable and Queenie and everyone because she's a little more exotic looking and wild looking and she's tiny and adorable and um, Sable of the group was really the aggressor and Lori was definitely the the shy or just the more introverted one she was just kind of happy to be there so I think when you're with people who are aggressive um to to some people the person that's sort of in the corner just kind of observing and taking things in can can be a lot more uh attractive because you they have like a mysterious quality to them perfect it was 1973, and since many Brit bands had been on the road for years, hotels and venues started looking too much alike. Even though they had a chick or three in every city, rockers were getting bored and seemed to require ever-increasing and varied stimulation. Keith Moon was driving town cars into swimming pools, while Mitch Mitchell spent all evening gluing his hotel room furniture to the ceiling. Star Magazine, featuring the likes of Lorian Sable, arrived on the scene just in time to stave off the predictable tedium of touring the underage glam babies were a spanking new treat for jaded eyes so pamela wrote that about the baby groupies so essentially it's like what was the appeal of them well it's like kind of with the elvis thing with him never hearing no it was kind of that like well what button can we push to go further and further and i think that's when they started going well younger younger wilder wilder yeah even in the clothing that they wore if you look at the gtos with their layers and their wild style next to the baby groupies with uh, their tight, uh, small, uh, you know, they uh, they definitely must have stood out next to the hippie kind of clothing and all that. Yeah, agreed. Um, so let's pause from Jimmy Page and let's go to David Bowie because you're right, Lynx, he was number one for her um and I mean like her first so she had an encounter with David Bowie to with whom she says she lost her virginity it's funny because I was doing some research um about this and just looking up more articles and there's this guy on the internet that I guess went through all of the timelines and was like well if she said this then then it doesn't really make sense like there was somebody kind of saying like there's no way that she could have lost her virginity to David Bowie because the timeline doesn't um match up but if you're gonna go read about Lori and all of these things you know what I'm just gonna like I'm going to take it from her. If she says this happened, then it fucking happened. So Yeah, and there were other people there too. And if they say it happened, I don't know why we wouldn't just take all of their words for it. Exactly. Okay, so Lori says that one night at the E! Club, Mick Ronson showed up with David Bowie. Bowie saw Lori and told her that they were going to be together. Apparently, she ran into Rodney's arms going, no. I can't be with you. Um, but sure enough, six months later, they got together. 
Um, the songs that Rodney Bingenheimer was playing at the time were from bands like Slade, The Sweet, Silverhead, Woohoo, Michael DeBar. He was in that band, T-Rex, and Bowie. So she knew who Bowie was, of course. Um, actually, this year, uh, not this year, this month is a pretty important one for Mark Bolan because the month of September, he was born and he died. Yeah. So we'll be posting a couple more, um, Mark Bolan stuff. Um, so when Bowie came to town and played the Long Beach Arena, his bodyguard, Stewie, approached Lori to do his bidding. Um, so he invited her out for dinner with Bowie. Lori agreed, but only if Sable went with her and for a few reasons. One, according to Lori, was because she was terrified to go alone. And the other was because Sable really wanted to be with Bowie. So probably with those things, those two things combined, uh, combined they did like a power and numbers thing. And they went off and had dinner with Bowie. Sable, Sable very aggressively wanted Bowie. She she knew what she wanted, and she was the one who usually got them. So I know um, Lori was a little nervous about that, I think. Yeah. Lori was waiting outside her house with her mother when a limo came to pick her up. Um, and then they went and got Sable. So you can only imagine what that's like. You have a single mother working three jobs, a bunch of daughters, and then all of a sudden her <laughs> daughter's getting picked up in limos. She's probably just like, okay. Um, kind of, and then it reminds me of the same thing with like Ginger and Elvis when she was so young, but like it's Elvis and it's like glamorous. So the parents are just kind of like, okay, I guess we'll see where this goes. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that because I think um, Lori has also said that her mother kind of used to be like, my daughter's like Priscilla, like with all these rock stars. (laughs) (sighs) So they had dinner at the hotel, um, the Beverly Hilton, and then they all went to the Rainbow. From the Rainbow, they went back to the Hilton and for the first time she smoked hash. And it's interesting to note that it was stewie who rolled the hash joint and who was hanging out with the room in the room with laurie sable and david which is funny when you think about like crew being a part of this whole scene too yeah for sure but um also angela was uh having an affair with one of bowie's bodyguards as well right so they were definitely uh involved in the scene for sure yeah that's right um So I can read you a little bit of that encounter, which I think is worth taking it right from uh, Lori's mouth. Yeah, this is, uh, I wish, I wish my virginity story was this incredible, but uh, alas, Bowie, Bowie was just a little on my league. (laughs) Okay, so they're in this room after they smoke this hash joint and Lori is just like messed up. So she says, David went into the bedroom and said, I'm going to take a bath. All of a sudden, the door opens and Bowie is standing there with that gorgeous white skin and carrot red hair, no eyebrows, wearing a kimono. It was in his early Ziggy Stardust era and that was the first time I thought, oh, I want him. Sable was like, I'll kill you if you go with him because I want him and you can't have him. He came out and said, Lori, could you come over here? And I said, alone? I was so paranoid, stoned and paranoid. And he said, yes, please, just you. I go in and he's about to close the door and I'm looking at Sable and she's in tears. I was so nervous. I had boyfriends in junior high, all the smooching, but I'd never had intercourse. So he escorts me into the bathroom and takes off his kimono, gets into the bathtub and sits there staring at me with those different colored eyes. 
You have to understand, he's so gorgeous. His skin is so white and flawless. So he says, can you wash my back? And that was just the beginning. He knew it was my first time and he was so gentle with me. We started to fuck in every position possible. Then I told him I felt so bad about Sable and he said, well, do you think we should go and get her? I said, yes. And we walked into the living room and she was fogging up the windows writing, I want to fuck David. So he called her into the bedroom and we all spent the night together. David Bowie was the one who de-virginized me. What an incredible first time. You have like your first and your first threesome with your best friend. Yep. So um, after that incredible first time in a threesome with her best friend. um, And what a good friend, you know, she knows her friends out there just dying to join in. And that's that's a solid friend. I do that for my friends. I mean, yeah, there's like a couple of rock stars that I have just like on the list with a couple of my friends. And even though I'm like, I don't necessarily want to be with my friend, like you got to do what you got to do. You got to share the wealth. Got to share the love. Um, after that encounter, you can imagine how she's feeling, right? That's a lot of stuff happening at one time. She's hanging out with rock stars, having threesomes with her best friend. And so now she just wants to chill. So shortly after, um, you know, she's trying to be on the straight and narrow, go to school, do all of these things. But Jimmy Page started pursuing her. So we'll pick up kind of uh, where we left off talking about Jimmy Page right off the bat because he was the one that really got her. This was this really significant one. And if you look her up online, there's the most pictures of her and Jimmy Page. So she fell totally in love with him. She says that she thinks that Jimmy Page was obsessed with her because she looked like him. Skinny, white skin, huge hair. And again, because she was the youngest of all of the groupies. And the relationship would go on to last for two years. Yeah. And she was also the wild one where Pamela was uh, the innocent. Jimmy had a wild side that we all know of. And Lori uh, fit into that side. Nice. She said that she fell in love with him. Um, it's like, you know, we've all been there. We've we've put that rock star on the pedestal. Um, and then when you actually get them and that feeling is insane. She says that he was gentle in bed. She loved the way he moved and that face. So I've been doing this um, book review for... Uh, the Jimmy Page and the Haunted, how do you pronounce it? Boliskin? The Zeppelin Curse. I think that's the book that you're talking about. Yeah, the Led Zeppelin Curse, Jimmy Page and the Haunting of the Boliskin House. Um, that's in Scotland. And so I've been looking up Jimmy Page a lot more recently. And uh, so I've been just looking at that face. And yeah, I get it. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, he was magic for sure. So she says that it was like being in love with Elvis Presley. And as we know, um, based on like Elvis month that we just did, a lot of these women were just kind of going along with like, well, I guess I'll just, that's what he does. And that's how he lives his life. So I will just go along with it. Um, just kind of living in, in his world and kind of living by their rules, essentially. Um, but she says, like, how did it feel? Like, how can you, like, how, imagine this. Like, she'd go to the forum, there'd be 30,000 people, and they would be there for him. 
and then he would be going home with her. So imagine that channeled energy from the crowd to the band and then imagine that energy from the band that needed to kind of go somewhere else. And so, you know, she says that he was gentle and loving and I don't think he brought out the whips and all of that stuff on her. Have you read differently? Lynx is nodding. Yes, she has heard. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe not all the time. I'm not saying that. I don't know. I, we have. We should talk to her. Okay. Um. Yeah. <laughs> so at the time, Jimmy Page was in a relationship with a girl named Charlotte. And it was interesting reading that book. I found out that um, he and Charlotte had a baby girl named Scarlett. Um. Yeah, and then Charlotte Martin, and then he's now, when he was 29, and dating, or like, you know, in this relationship with Charlotte, he is now in a relationship with a girl named Scarlett, who is about 29. Um, she's a poet. Anyways, um, what did Lori and Jimmy do together besides just be in bed? Well, he sent her shopping. He'd spent hundreds of dollars on her. She says that he liked to dress her up to look at like an innocent little gypsy in long skirts. Um, and at that time, she didn't really know what money was because she was making a little bit at her teen modeling job and her mom was like a single parent waitress. So you can imagine what it must feel like to be all of a sudden in this world. And some of those pictures that you see of Sable and Lori, um, like pictures of them sitting with Led Zeppelin, they look or like with Iggy Pop they look like they're having a friggin blast a friggin blast she says that he was romantic wonderful possessive and almost fatherly um and like he didn't want her smoking cigarettes or didn't really want her to drink and she was absolutely in love with him and really believed that he was being faithful to her um, Lori says that by 1975, Jimmy was calling her every single day. She recalls stories about hanging out in the recording studio with Jimmy and Joe Walsh and about the time the FBI were investigating money that was stolen from the band and they had to clear her out of there because of the fact that she was underage. So it didn't go unnoticed. It's not like at, in, in 1975 that it was like, okay, the bands were well aware what they were doing was illegal. Absolutely. Absolutely. There was a, uh, I mean, they all did it too. Like all of them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So <clears throat> she, yeah, remembers like hanging out in this recording studio. And then when the band came to New York for a show, Lori invited her new friend to accompany her. Yes. Yeah, she made a mistake here. Who was it? BB. So she invited her friend, and I put BB in capital letters with an exclamation point, being like, ask Link who she, Link's who she thinks it is. So it was BB. So Lori brought her friend BB Buell to accompany them in New York, and she got BB an adjoining room to her and Jimmy. So BB came with her pet monkey. And if you want to know more about that crazy story, you can listen to our episode on BB Buell because there's a pretty funny story about her and the monkey and Jimmy Page. And this is when Lori's heart got crushed by Jimmy. She really did believe that Jimmy had been faithful to her. And when she and BB um, got adjoining rooms, Lori soon found BB in bed with Jimmy. 
So she says that she never went to bed with him after that. She says that her innocence was shattered and that it was something that Jimmy loved about her. So even though she was a bit wilder, you know, hanging out with Sable and wearing these things than Pamela might have been, Jimmy did believe her to be like young and pure and innocent. And she says that that just kind of all came crashing down. Yeah, as we said, Sable was the true wild child and Laurie was, uh, I guess, the innocent of the child groupies the young groupies Lynx is going to do an episode about um sable star so stay tuned for that um she says it took her Lori says it took her years to trust men because jimmy was telling her that he was being true to her so she says that she went after boy lunatics after that like mickey finn of t-rex uh because jimmy had been so sweet and gentle with her um and it's actually with mickey finn that she had the threesome with he and angela bowie Oh, yeah, I remember uh, hearing about Angie. There's a pretty interesting story um, in the chapter of Let's Spend the Night Together when he completely flips out and she hides in a closet while Angela Bowie is in the other room as well. So there's just apparently like things were just bonkers. And it's probably around that time if she's like not with Jimmy anymore and she's hanging out with Angela Bowie, I think that's probably when she might have started doing drugs. Probably. Um, Are you going to tell them about Mick? Yes. She had flings here and there with Keith Emerson and would ride around on his motorcycle. Um, And yeah, like I said, in the VH1 documentary, she was alluding to taking drugs and it was around this time, I believe. And it was Jimmy Page that was getting into the harder stuff. So he was getting into heroin at this time. And it was around this time that Mick Jagger came into her life. Um, She met Mick Jagger at this place called The Record Plant. By the way... Do you know that people are naming their children Bowie and Jagger? You wouldn't believe how many nameplates I see that are Bowie, and today I saw a Jagger. I have, like, I can't even tell you how many friends who have animals, like pets, dogs, cats, that are either named, like, Bowie or Ziggy or Jagger. That's, like, a common pet name. I haven't heard of any kids named that yet, but I'm not surprised. It's happening. Um, so she met Mick Jagger at this place called The Record Plant. She would go there every Monday for Jimmy Keltner's fan club sessions. And one night, there were three Beatles, Stevie Wonder, and Mick Jagger all recording there. That's That sounds like the magic. Magic. Yeah, she got to... She. Some people wouldn't think that the child groupies got to go into the studios with these guys, but... Like they were involved with them. They they were part of the scene. It wasn't just clubs and sex and that kind of thing. These they were they were equal. This is what she says about Mick Jagger. She says that Mick was having ego problems with John Lennon. And so he was pouting in his back room and the back room uh had beds. I was there too, escaping from the studio for a while, and my friend said there's somebody you need to meet. She took me to the room where Mick was pouting. And how was her frolic with Mr. Jagger? Pamela asks her. It was very interesting. I think he was high. He had a little trouble getting a heart on and coming, but it was fun. We rolled around and kissed and fondled each other and had a blast. After that, I didn't see him for years until I went to New York to stay with Freddie, the drug dealer. Mick was there, and we had another little fling. The third time I saw him, it was at Keith Moon's birthday party at the Beverly Wilshire. Mick came up to the bedroom, and that's when we had the best wild sex. 
He fucked me on the bathroom floor while Keith Moon and everybody were in another room celebrating Keith's birthday. While we were on the marble floor in the bathroom, Bianca was downstairs. It was after she'd had surgery or something. She was recovering at the Beverly Wilshire. People had always told me I resemble her, which I found very flattering. But I was never in love or serious until I met Jimmy Bain, who played in Rainbow. He was probably the most serious boyfriend I had after that awful Jimmy Page nightmare. Um, I have an interesting Bianca and Mick story as well. Um, My mother was an operator for a time. And one time when, I guess, the Stones were in Toronto... um, she and the other women in the telephone company would listen in on calls between Mick and Bianca and they they would like be nonstop fighting. <laughs> but that's another story. That's amazing. <clears throat> so when she started dating uh, Jimmy Bain seriously, um, he played in this band called Rainbow. She got a job working at um, working for Deep Purple's Richie Blackmore as his assistant, which is interesting. She says that the English disco was what kept everyone together, and then all of a sudden, um, the slam jam glitter scene was done. Rodney's closed, Star Magazine stopped, her modeling agency folded, and punk was starting to come in. So Sable moved to New York with Johnny Thunders and the New York Dolls, which will be covered in another episode, so stay tuned. Oh, we had a listener request for more George Harrison. So I'm putting George Harrison and Olivia Harrison on the list of people as well. Also, I've been working on Yoko Ono for a month and I'm still like, I'm not done. I want that episode to be so friggin' good. So guys, it's coming. We've been working hard. Also, now that we're like, I'm back in this episode. I'm sorry about how rough the beginning of that episode was. It's like, it's like getting back in. It's a whole, whole thing, but I'm glad that we're here. I'm excited, too. And our fall lineup is going to be really exciting. Yeah. So at this point, (laughs) Lori is like, okay, not really into the punk scene, not really into the heroin chic thing that's happening. Um, You know, she had seen what was going on with Jenny Page and, you know, Marianne and Anita and pretty much everybody in New York, I guess, at this time. So she did what many groupies before her and after has done, and she retired. A turning point came for her in her 20s when she ran into John Bonham at the Rainbow. He said to her, Lori, I've been coming here for 15 years. I don't want to come back in 15 years and find you still here. So she found herself in relationships over the years and through one of them had a son named Sean. She raised him as a single parent and she's kind of the same thing on the same wavelength of Pamela with the the groupy word being like a positive thing you know she says something um really interesting about it and really when she looks back at her time she just says like why me you know why did I get to experience all of these amazing things so I'm going to read you one more thing from the book I thought it was uh, important to note as well we did talk about Bowie and her in her first time uh, she also got together with Bowie many, many times over the years, and she says each time was as wonderful as the last, and it wasn't just like a one-time thing. Like they, they remained friends and would get together often. Amazing. So about the G word, Lori says, 
I feel like it's been degraded somewhere along the way, and it was never meant to be negative. Groupies in the old days were girlfriends of the band. They were classy and sophisticated. In the grand rock days, the groupies were Patty Harrison, Marianne Faithful, Lynn McCartney, Anita Pallenberg. And as turbulent as it was, Lori wouldn't have missed a moment of her impassioned past. I had such a monumental time. I don't regret one second of it. I always asked, why me? Why did this incredible person choose me? It was all so random, and I felt so blessed to be there. I'm on a stage, watching Led Zeppelin play in front of 30,000 people. Why me? Or I'm sitting in the studio with three of the Beatles thinking, wow, this is pretty incredible. Why me? Amazing. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's just so nice to like to watch that, to like to read this and then like to watch that VH1 documentary, which you can just find on YouTube and just see them laughing and having so much fun um, about it. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure if I'm going to say her name correctly. Amy Haben or Amy, Amy Haben? I'm not sure if it's a, a long or a hard A. Do you know? I'm not sure. So we'll say for now, Amy Haven, until you correct us, um, she writes for Please Kill Me. Right. And so I follow her a lot and she's doing a lot of cool things. And this is what she wrote about them. She wrote an article about um, the, about these girls. She says, Laurie Maddox was a 14-year-old model when Jimmy Page noticed her pictures and asked his tour manager to bring her to his show. Now, of course, many people have a problem with the age thing. I get it, and he shouldn't have gone after her. I guess the happy part of the story is that in the interview below, obviously well past her 20s, Lori states that Paige was the sweetest man she ever met and that she fell in love with him instantly. Lori and Sable were two girls who were ahead of their time and probably paid a heavy price for it. But whenever I hear Bowie's Rebel Rebel and the line, Hot Tramp, I love you so, I think of Sable Star sashaying through a hotel lobby dressed in pink hot pants and a scarf for a halter top on her way to her next tryst. I mean, these girls helped put the sex in sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and there hasn't been anyone yet that comes close to equaling their legendary status. As B.B. Buell said, every rock star that came to L.A. wanted to meet them. It wasn't the other way around. It was like, we've got to meet Sable Star and Laurie Maddox. There was a certain crowd you had to meet when you were in L.A. They were the rock stars. They were the rock stars to the rock stars. Exactly. So... I mean, again, like I'm excited to post all of these super fun pictures of these girls and these guys. And it's a lot of the times like like Amy makes a really good point here when she mentions that a lot of the women commenting on her article or on these magazines are like, wow, it looks like they're having a great time. Good for these girls. And it's a lot of the men that are going like, that's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, if you do think it's disgusting, like that's totally valid. But I don't feel it's valid to blame these women for them because if you think it's disgusting because they were young and kids and whatever then don't like put the blame on who you think is the victim here right it be disgusted at the rock stars but don't be disgusted at these women they they were having fun they were loving it and it sounds like for the most part they were treated really well by them relationships and you know in bad ways no matter what age you are so that really has nothing to do with the age, I don't think. And uh, the most important is what they are saying now. And Lori certainly uh, loves her past and celebrates it. So like, I feel like we should celebrate Lori. 
Yeah, and if you want to celebrate Lori more, you can go online and you can find her on Facebook and she's got a clothing. She's she's really into fashion and clothing stuff and we'll put all of the links in the show notes of kind of where you can find her and follow her and read more about her story and like see what she's doing today. Yeah, and maybe uh, one day we'll be able to interview her and uh, get some more info on everything. Lori, we would love to interview you. Actually, we're approaching our 50th episode, so not only... Are we talking about these women and do we have some amazing guests and crossover episodes coming up? And like Lynx and I, this is the first time we've seen each other since since I've been traveling and since she went to New York and she's sick as balls. And, you know, I'm back to work and things are crazy that we haven't even really sat down and had a true, okay, this is all the stuff that's happening. But we kind of, we we both know I'm just excited to like sit down and work on it and just give you guys like the best October. Yeah, I'm so excited. I have all these books lined up to read and I know things that you're going to be doing as well. And there's there's some fantastic ones coming up. So stay tuned. Also, thank you to everybody who's been listening, who followed both of us, like uh, everything, like with our travels and our adventures and commenting and asking questions. Um, I find it almost hard to keep up a little bit with like, uh, I don't know, just like people asking for recommendations, like what kind of podcast like should we listen to for this? Or like, um, you, like you're really good at, at answering Instagram comments and things like that. And uh, it's just so nice to interact with people if it's, you know, straight from something that they hear from an episode or on social media or on Twitter or anything and it's just so nice to see this um group growing and the women that i met at pamela's writing workshop in london the london dolls holy shit these women are incredible and like we're all ready to go international we're ready to do a miss peace international dolls group that would be amazing yeah every every woman who's involved in the writing groups has is incredible so i'm excited to meet more of you that's it for today um you can find us on instagram at Muses and Stuff Podcast, Facebook, the same thing. Um, talk to us on Twitter at Shanti and Links. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe on podcast, I mean on iTunes. And uh, we would really, really appreciate your feedback and um, just all of the awesome things that you guys have been doing. We love you and we'll be back next week. Bye. Hello, dear stranger. I'd like to introduce you to something new, or perhaps something very, very old. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine is a horror fantasy medical mystery, following the titular monk turned traveling medical investigator. Follow Radolf as he navigates a nightmare world, in which viruses are gods, and the human race are not their favored children. Steeped in history and an aesthetic that can only be described as a combination of occult academia and laboratory Judaica, the heresies of Radolf Burntwine have been described as Umberto Eco meets H.P. Lovecraft. For more information, check out the Patreon at thorb.info. But take care, dear stranger, for some truths are best left unknown. <laughs>